Welcome to the fifth episode in the STEM in the Global series on mental health and well-being, supported by a Pulse grant from the British Podcast Awards and Wellcome Trust. In this episode, we explore the rules of behaviour and psychology in mental health and well-being. Welcome to the STEM in the Gorbals podcast. I'm Jessica. As part of our series on mental health and well-being, today we're joined by Douglas Marks from the University of the West of Scotland. Hi, Dr. Marks. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me today. Can you tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Hi, Jessica. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for taking the time to speak to me as well. My name is Doogie Marks. I work for the University of the West of Scotland. I'm an academic. I've got, I've got several job titles that I have, several hats that I wear. I'm a health psychologist, which means that I'm interested in the bridge between mental health and physical health. I'm also a cognitive behavioral therapist, which means that I work with people who have mental health problems. And I'm also a lecturer in mental health. Uh, so that's, that, that's again, the three hats that I wear. I read from your university profile that you do teaching. Does that mean you train therapists? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, I train people who are already mental health professionals, mainly. People who are mental health nurses or occupational therapists or social workers or psychologists. People who are already working with folks that have mental health problems. Most of the time they're working for the NHS, but not always. And they're working with people with a whole bunch of different mental health problems. Maybe eating disorders or schizophrenia. Uh, or anxiety or depression, things like that. And they come to us uh, on our CBT course, um, or on our cognitive behavioral therapy course, uh, later on in their career when they've already worked with people maybe for a long time, but they're interested in learning some new skills uh, about how to become cognitive behavioral therapists. You mentioned CBT. Could you please explain to me what that means? Yeah, so CBT, like I said, stands for for Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. It's a way of understanding what a human being is, really. And it's a way of understanding how a human being can make sure that they're staying mentally well. So there's five different bits to CBT. Four bits are the kind of four bits that make up a human being. You've got your body, so you've got your biology. You've got your emotions, which is your, um, you know, whenever we talk about things like feeling happy or sad or angry or jealous or upset Mm -hmm. or whatever, all of those we would put in the kind of emotional basket. You've then got behavior, which is what people do, which is um, how people actually behave, what you can see on the outside. When you look at a person, are they shouting at somebody? Are they drinking too much alcohol? Are they running away from their problems? So what it is that people actually do? Then you've got the cognition side of thing, which is the C in CBT. Cognition is a big word, but it actually just means thoughts. So if you think about what a person is, there's four different bits CBT says. You've got their thoughts, you've got their emotions, you've got their behavior, and you've got their biology. Now, I said that um, CBT breaks down problems into five different factors. The fifth part of any kind of mental health problem is the situation that somebody's in or the environment that they're in. So it's not just about the person, it's about what's actually around them as well may also be the problem. So what, what CBT does is CBT says, well, if somebody comes to us as, as therapists, if somebody comes, comes to us with a problem and they say, you know, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling sad or angry or whatever it is, we say, right, let's look at these five different areas of your life and let's figure out where something might be going wrong. There's maybe a problem in one of these areas, there's maybe a problem in all of these areas, or maybe just one or two of them. So we try to figure out where the problem is, and then we try to help people um, come up with solutions to the problem in those areas. Okay. 
When I watched the Pixar movie Inside Out, it gave me the impression that it was about emotions and feelings and why they were important. What are your views on a movie being used to convey an important topic? Yeah, I think Inside Out was a really good movie. I think that it helps, particularly, obviously, kids and young people understand that, yeah, you've got emotions, you know, in your head that are important for, for you to be aware of and to think about. Obviously, it's a little bit of a kind of cartoony version of it, so you don't literally have little people in your head running around, you know, with emotions like that. But, yeah, I think in general it's a good idea to try to kind of bring these topics to people's knowledge using movies. Although I found Inside Out really sad, mainly because of Binky dying, the imaginary friend. Yeah. Uh, He didn't die, did he? No, I don't think he did. I think he, I don't know. He kind of, he sort of, he sort of, he sort of vanished, and she forgot. Yeah. She, uh-huh. yeah, she forgot about him. Yeah, so that was kind of was kind of rubbish. But apart from that, yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah, I thought it was a good movie. I think, I think, I think it's definitely mm-hmm. good to get people to think about these things. Yeah, I agree with that. I also read that you're interested in self-regulation. What exactly is self-regulation? Yeah, uh, self-regulation is basically whether you do the things that you tell yourself to do. So we've all made New Year's resolutions. I'm sure, I'm sure you you've made some as well. Did you make any this year, Jessica? Uh, yeah, I think I did. Um, to like exercise more and be kind to all my family and friends and everything. Okay. Did you break them? Um, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So what we find basically is that with things like New Year's resolutions, people say, "Yeah, I'm gonna gonna you know be kind to everyone, or or, or, or I'm gonna exercise or whatever," and then quite often people don't do it and yeah it's a kind of weird thing that we're not actually in control of ourselves in a lot of ways we think of ourselves as being you know the kind of master of our own ship and as being kind of master of our own destiny and you know if we tell ourselves to do something we'll do it but in actual fact what we find is that that's not what happens a lot of the time we say we're going to do something and we don't necessarily do it yes well self-regulation is basically looking at well why is that why is it that we don't do the things that we tell ourselves to do can we do anything to make it more likely to do the things that we want to do and not the things that we don't want to do what is it that made you interested in self-regulation i think first of all it was just looking at at myself and my own behavior so the idea that you know being younger and growing up and saying oh yeah you know i want to do this or want to do that and then figuring out that you know i couldn't actually always do the things that i wanted to do you know when it came to exercising you know when you're young you look at you know different ideas about you know how you're going to have a six-pack and you're going to be you know really really strong and yeah some people do it and some people don't and yeah that that kind of thing so i think i think just looking at myself and, and and realizing well who am i then if i can't control myself then who is in control of me or what is in control of me or what exactly is me? I think all these things made, made me interested in the whole area. I heard on the news that people should self-regulate during the corona pandemic. What do they mean by self-regulation during this time and how can people do this? Well, whenever people are trying to look after themselves in the coronavirus pandemic, obviously the biggest change in people's lives at the moment is the fact that we all have to isolate ourselves. So people's lives have changed a lot in the past, you know, very short period of time. If we're all the things that people used to do, you know, go to work, go to school, you know, go to the gym, go and meet up with friends, go to cinema, all those things have been taken away from people. And because of that, a lot of people just now are thinking about how do I replace that in my life? What all the science shows us at the moment is that in order for people to feel positive emotion in order for people to feel good about themselves they need to have a goal they need to have something that they are working towards and that is basically where positive emotion comes from so without a goal people have no positive emotion which is obviously a big problem now because a lot of people's 
goals have been taken away from them. So what do I mean by a goal? A goal means something that you think is important that is in the future. It might be a long way in the future or it might, or it might just be you know, in the, in the next couple of hours. Something that, that you're going to do, that you're going to achieve. And it's not so difficult that you're never going to achieve it, nor is it so easy that you can do it without any problems. But it's something that you can work towards to hopefully overcome the barriers between you and it and then achieve it. And that's basically what gives people positive emotion. So, yeah, normally in life you would say, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward forward to maybe the weekend when I'm going, to, I'm going to meet my friends and we're going to go here, I'm going to do this. Uh, and working towards that goal would be one of the things that would keep you positive, that would give you good feelings. And at the moment, the problem for people is that a lot of the things that they had as positive goals were uh, are taken away from them. So what people have to do just now is they have to, within their own home or within their own very small area that they're in what are goals that they can set themselves what are things that they can try to achieve so maybe people can uh, set up a skill that they've always wanted to learn they can maybe that guitar in the corner that they've never picked up but always meant to maybe now's the time to dust off that guitar or maybe you can use videos online to keep fit or maybe if your house has got things that need done in it you know it's always needed painted now's the time to set yourself small goals that you can achieve or sometimes quite big goals that you can that you can work towards and you can achieve because the ones that we all had are uh, maybe not there anymore or, or maybe not as easy mm-hmm. You have a particular interest in anxiety. Can you tell us what this is and why it interests you so much? Okay, there's seven basic emotions that people have. By basic emotions, I mean that if you take facial expressions and and you show them to people across the world, there seems to be a kind of agreement that people can kind of of recognise seven seven emotions. These are happiness, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, contempt, and I've forgotten the other one. You always forget one. Anyway, there's two that we really don't like as human beings. Basically, those two are fear and anger. Mm -hmm. And anxiety is basically just a fancy word for fear. It's one of the biggest motivations that people have to be scared of things. Whether we call it stress, whether we call it anxiety, whether we call it fear, it's all pretty much the same thing. And because it's so fundamental to what it is to be a human being, and because it's also one of the things that we really don't particularly like and one of the things that we're trying to get rid of all the time um, I think that's why it interests me so much. Mm-hmm. How can people manage stress and anxiety during exam time especially because the current events have impacted exam time? Yes the simplest advice is to break it down into small chunks and don't look at the whole thing look at the small chunks so exams are stressful anyway regardless of what's going on. But at the moment, people don't know what's going to happen. You know, they're thinking, what's the exam situation going to look like? And, you know, will will I be able to sit my exams? All that kind of stuff. It's very easy when you're worrying, when you're anxious, to look at the big picture, to look at all those kind of things. But a lot of those things, A, there's nothing that you can do about them as the worrier, especially when it comes to, you know, how are are the government going to decide that we're going to sit our exams? There's certainly nothing Mm -hmm. that that school kids or the university students or NDLs can really do about that. But the second thing is also that by looking at, at that big picture, you think, oh, I can't cope with that. It's such a big problem that there's no way that, that, that I can deal with it. I can't deal with thinking about a whole year's um, schoolwork in physics or something because it's too difficult to try to think about something that big. So instead, what you do is you figure out what the small little steps are that you need to take in order to be ready for the exam and then you look at those little steps you don't look at the whole big picture so mm-hmm. start by thinking well say you've got you've got a math exam you know in 
a few months time or something start at the exam figure out what you need to know by then and, and then work backwards so, so you can say right by then i need to know this topic this topic and this topic maybe you need to know four topics so then you say right so how how am i going to learn those four topics which one do i need to learn first and how long is that one going to take me and if i want to learn that topic where do i need to start today never look at the whole picture never look at the massive big problem that you can't deal with just focus on the next hour worth of study that you have to do where you've got to pick up a book and you've got to read that book and you've got to answer those six questions after you've read those those two pages or something like that in a previous episode we heard about adverse childhood experiences or aces from professor helen minnis if aces can affect people right into adulthood do you consider them in your work yes yes we do we do Childhood experiences are pretty fundamental because they set up how your brain is basically going to act the rest of your life. So because of that, when we are working with, when we're teaching therapists or when I'm doing therapy myself, one of the things that we will often do is we'll often try to figure out, is there anything about the way that this person's thinking about the world that's a bit off and where does that come from? And quite often it maybe comes from childhood experiences. It doesn't necessarily mean that if somebody's had, you know, bad childhood experiences that they can't get away from, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but they are certainly important when you're thinking about somebody's mental health. What is the best way to cope with stress? Get up at the same time every morning, <laughs> basically. Have you heard of something called your circadian rhythms? No, I don't think so. Okay, your circadian rhythms are uh, the different levels of naturally produced chemicals in your brain um, throughout the day and they change throughout the day and how your circadian rhythms move are one of the biggest factors in how stressed you feel and one of the best ways to keep your circadian rhythms regular to keep your body regular is to get up at the same time every morning mm -hmm. uh, regulating your sleep regulates your circadian rhythms and your circadian rhythms regulate your mood so the best thing you can do if you're feeling stressed is to get up at the same time every morning the next best thing that you can do is you can figure out what the thing is that you're avoiding and then break it down into small chunks and stop avoiding it. So if it's, if it's exam stress that you're worried about, very often what you'll find is you'll spend a lot of time avoiding studying or you'll spend a lot of time worrying about studying or you'll spend a lot of time pretending that you're studying but you're not really studying. What that is, is that's all you avoiding looking at the problem the problem being the fact that you think that you might not know how to learn about this particular thing so figure out when you're avoiding and how you're avoiding and break the thing down that you're avoiding into small pieces and then look at it in small pieces those are the two best things that you can do that and get up at the same time every morning mm -hmm. okay at school one of the things that my classmates have been worrying about is passing the virus on to elderly family members what advice do you have for children to manage this type of stress wash their hands as the government has been saying um one of the things that people will sometimes say is that stress isn't isn't a good thing uh, too much stress isn't a good thing but stress is not only real you can't actually be alive without it you'll never get rid of all the stress in your life you'll never get rid of all the problems in your life by which i mean that even if you were to solve every single problem you had today, there'd be another problem tomorrow. So sometimes you want to, you want to get rid of the stress, but sometimes you want, to do, you want to do the sensible things that will reduce stress. So things like wash your hands. Also, I think for young people at the moment, as well as the government advice about you know, washing their hands and staying two metres away from people, etc., I think that if you are doing all of those things, if you're doing all the things that you are 
sensibly supposed to be doing, then remembering that that's enough. Remembering that not everything is caused by you and uh, it may be that um, if you've done enough, then you've done enough. We're all, we're all worried about the virus, but as long as we're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing, there's nothing else that, that we can really do. So we can, we can rest assured as long as we're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing, then that should be it, really. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, how can an elderly family member have reassurance? Because they must also feel very isolated with limited contact with their family members. Yes. I think at the moment, one of the things actually that young people can do, to go back a question, is to help their elderly relatives to figure out how to set up online chat uh, services. I think that being able to actually see their grandchildren or see their uh, see their family is, is a big thing for people. But obviously people who are maybe older haven't been used to using these type of services before. So if, if young people can instruct them over the phone or whatever how how best to set up those services that's a good thing what those older people can do as well is they can start to look at creative ways to use these services i know that what my kids and my parents have been doing in the past week is they've been playing chess and playing board games with each other using mm-hmm. video conferences so doing things like that can help people to alleviate stress one of the biggest other ways to alleviate stress is to not kind of bottle up all of your negative feelings if you're if you're worried about something if you're worried about about the virus or worried about you know any other type of problem find somebody to talk to about it, it doesn't have to be a mental health professional share it with with your family a problem shared is a problem halved is an old mantra and it's yeah. actually true is there anything else you would like to tell us i don't think so at the moment no there's two big things if, if people are interested in, in stress and anxiety they should wake up at the same time every morning and they should figure out the thing that they're avoiding and break it down into small pieces and make it their goal to look at those small pieces that is probably the main takeaway message i would have for people thank you for taking the time to speak to me no problem jessica thank you for speaking to me This episode focused on some of the research being carried out at the University of the West of Scotland relating to mental health and well-being. I'm Jessica. Thank you for listening to this episode of the STEM in the Gorbals podcast. That was really interesting and thank you to Douglas Marks for putting up with COVID-related technical issues. Thanks also to Iman for helping write these questions. If you want to talk about your mental health, please speak to a parent, a pastoral care teacher or counsellor at your school, your doctor, or call Breathing Space on 0800 83 87 or Childline on 0800 11 11. Join us in the next episode as Maggie and I finish this special series by looking at the role of language and music in helping to maintain good mental health and well-being. I'm Jessica. Thank you for listening.